Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another podcast and broadcast of the podcast, the One Word Podcast, and I am Iron Petrie, and I am so happy to have you with me this beautiful Friday afternoon. Listen, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, uh, wherever this podcast finds you, uh, I pray that you're blessed and you're doing well. And uh, God is a good God and he's a faithful God. And we're just excited about all that he is doing here at Christ Nations Church. So let me start off by saying if you are a family member, that is to say you are a part of Christ Nations Church, right now if you're watching this, go ahead and share this and send this to your, your family, your friends, people you believe could stand to be encouraged and blessed with the word of God. Uh, for this Friday podcast, kind of pick me up just to drop off some sound teaching to you and the word of God to bless you for your Friday and to encourage you and to strengthen you. And this Friday is not going to be any different than any of the Fridays before. Uh, there are some things that I want to get into today that I think are really, really, really going to bless your life. Uh, if you watch or if you saw the title when we posted this, you saw we talk, we're talking about having a sound mind. We're talking about having a, a mind that is uh, disciplined and we're talking about being able to overcome many times the negative thoughts and emotions that plague our lives. Uh, if you do not deal with your uh, thought life, it's going to be very difficult for you to have any type of control over your emotions because your emotions really are an outgrowth of your thought life. If you're thinking negative, you're going to feel negative. And if you're thinking negative, feeling negative, you're going to behave negative. If you're thinking wrong, feeling wrong, you're going to speak wrong, you're going to act wrong. And everything begins in that thought life. And so on this podcast, I want to dedicate this time, these few minutes that we have, to talk a little bit about that. And so I want to jump right into this. Uh, and we're, our foundational text is going to begin in 2 Timothy chapter number 1. And we're going to move from there to just maybe two or three other verses of Scripture because I don't want to overload you in this, this first uh, podcast about this because I believe I'm going to do more than one of these. Because when you start talking about the mind and start talking about your thought life, it's not something you can just grasp all at one time. And all of these truths in the Word of God require time and meditation. And um, before I, I get into 2 Timothy, let me, let me say this too, because this is very important to, to set as a standard at the outset. Only God, and hear me, only God gives us the wherewithal to truly have control and soundness of mind. There are a lot of things out there that teach a certain degree of mind control and thought control, and there are a lot of therapeutics, a lot of exercises, some things that are even good, and I'm not, not downing anything, but only God's Word possesses the wherewithal to truly gain victory in every area, every area of your life, including your thought life. If we attempt to try to control our mind and our thought life in any way outside of the Word of God, then it's going to fail at some point. Now, why is that? Because God made you. God created us. He knows how we're wired. He knows what the devil does and how he operates and works. And so in all of his omniscience, all of his knowledge of how all of this works, he is the only one that gives the solution for how to truly walk in victory. So we're going to get in the word and we're going to follow his pattern and follow what he has to say about these things in order to gain victory. I'm super excited about this. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says this, For God 
has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now I want you to take that in. Don't gloss over that because we're so used to hearing that verse. We know that verse. It's a popular verse used by a lot of, a lot of us a lot of the time. But I want you to stop and think about it. God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if fear is anywhere in my life, if fear is in my disposition, if fear is in my thoughts predominantly, if fear houses itself within my emotional realm, if you would, if fear is in my life, God is not the source, right? Because he does not use fear nor give fear. You want to know why? Because he doesn't have it. <laughs> he doesn't have it. God is not a God of fear. God is love. And we know John tells us, 1 John says, perfect love casts out fear. So fear and love do not coincide. Here, you see it also in this verse. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. So you're never going to see fear and love as bedfellows, right? So fear never, ever, 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 never, ever, ever comes from God. And this is so important because sometimes we can look at things in our lives as fear and we can treat fear sometimes like insurance. And what I mean by that is we're fearful over things and we do things out of fear to protect ourselves from what we fear, right? We fear something's going to happen with the kids, so we control everything about it and we helicopter over them, right? Because we're going to keep this from happening, <laughs> right? We, we're, we're, we helicopter or we do different things out of fear financially. We do different things out of fear where relationships are concerned because we fear something. We, try, we use it as insurance. We're going to insure for ourselves. We're going to insulate ourselves from the future that we dread happening, right? Or the future we dread having. And so fear can work like that in our lives and we don't treat fear the way we really should and that is like an enemy because if God didn't give it to me I don't want it I don't want if if God is not the source of fear then I'm going to live my life in resistance to fear whether it's fearful thoughts fearful behavior fearful actions whatever it may be so the Bible tells me God hasn't given me that spirit of fear but of power giving me a spirit of power Love. And this last one is where we're going to spend all of our time, a sound mind. So when God is at work inside of us, what God has given us through the person of Jesus Christ, our Savior, through the Holy Spirit, our helper, what he has given us through the new birth and that we're born again and our spirit man, we have a new nature within, it says that the components of such is power Love, sound mind. That's what God authors, authors. That's what God gives. That's what God does. God gives power, love, sound mind. A sound. Now, what is a sound mind? If you look it up in the Greek language, this scripture, in this verse of scripture, it just simply means disciplined. It means moderated. It also means uh, a mind that is self-controlled, a moderated, self-controlled 
disciplined mind. Now, what does that look like in practicality? It means that I don't allow just anything in my thought life. I don't allow just any old thoughts to have free reign and free travel in my thought life. That my thought life is moderated. My thought life is controlled. My thought life is disciplined. So I stand at the gate of my thought life and I decide what I'm going to let through the gate and what I'm going to stop at the door. You know, you, you have to treat your thought life kind of like, you know, when, when, <laughs> if you've ever been to any type of event that is VIP'd or an event that, you know, it's invitation only, that bouncer stands at that front door, that person, whomever they are, ushers, the, the safety team and whatnot, they stand at that door and they moderate the entrance, right? They sit there and they check IDs, they check badges, they check all kinds of things. And if your name is not on the list, <laughs> you don't get in because they're going to check that list. And you may say, oh, but, I, I, you know, you, you don't know me. And, uh, but, but, but the people who are hosting this, they know me. And, uh, and, and, and you just need to No, It doesn't matter what your excuses are. If they're going to be true to form, if they're going to follow the, the job description that they have, they're going to check you and they're going to moderate things and they're going to check the list to see if you're on it. And if you're not on it, you don't get in. And only those who are on it get in. This is how you have to cultivate a sound mind. You have to have something by which to check thoughts. Hear me. You have to have something by which to check thoughts. Now, how do we make this practical? The list for the usher, for the safety person, for the bouncer is a list of VIPs. Our list is God's word. So I'm going to take God's word and I'm going to let God's word and what God says to me, what God says about me, be what I use to moderate the entrance of thoughts. And if a thought comes at me that is not in the book, if a thought comes at me that is not what my father has said, if a thought comes at me that I don't find within the will of God and the word of God for me, it will not be permitted entrance into my mind. So this is cultivating a sound mind. You're moderating your thoughts. You're not letting yourself just think anything. And you can't just do it with willpower alone, right? You can't do that. You gotta have the word of God. Just like that bouncer, just like that, that safety team member has to have a list. Because they can't just look at people and decide, hmm, you don't need to come in because I just don't like the way you look. Hmm, I don't know about that. You, they can't do guesswork at the door. They have to have the list. They have to have something by which to go by, a manifest if you would. So every person has to learn that there is no way to successfully moderate and discipline the mind without the word of God. You can't you can't pray yourself into a place of being strong enough to do it. You can't, uh, you know, you can't worship even enough to do it. 
The only thing you can use to moderate your thought life is God's revealed will in Scripture. You must have a working knowledge and an internal deposit of the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the greatest need in the body of Christ even to this very day, the greatest need of the church is the renewing of the mind, the taking of God's word and renewing the soul, the mind, will, and emotions to what God's word says. Because when I do that now, I allow myself or I enable and empower myself to be able to moderate my thought life. I won't be able to moderate it just by, I want to. Pastor, I'm trying. I'm working hard at it. All of that's commendable, but it will fail miserably. And this is why secular exercises and therapeutics many times fail because they give to us and they empower us with these exercises and exercises are not bad. So like I said, I'm not downing it. It's an attempt. And God knows if we can just make an attempt to control the mind and the thought life, that's good. But they fail miserably because it does not have the all important component of God's written word. What God says about me is the only thing that will allow me the power to truly control and moderate my thought life. Now, why is all this important? Well, in Ephesians 4 and 27, it says this, very simple verse of scripture. It says, neither give place to the devil. Now, of course, Paul is writing this uh, to the church at Ephesus, and he's writing this within context. So he's talking to them about not letting the uh, sun go down upon their wrath. He's talking to them about being angry and sinning not. He's talking to them about being renewed in the spirit of their mind. He's giving them these spiritual truths and these spiritual admonishments through his letter to the Ephesians. And he gets to verse 27, where what we call verse 27 in the letter, and he says, neither give place to the devil. Now that word place in the Greek language means a position of opportunity. So he says, don't give Satan a position of opportunity. This is why it's important to have God's word to moderate your thought life because Satan seeks place in the thought realm. He seeks place in your life through your thoughts. For we wrestle not, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Well, not, that's, that's Ephesians 6. But it says, for though we walk in the flesh, is what it says, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Why is that telling us that? It's letting us know you're walking in the flesh, but your war, your wrestle, your battle is in the thought realm. It's where the imaginations, it's where the thoughts, it's where the strongholds are attempted to be built. So if I'm going to give the devil no place, then I'm going to have to become skillful at guarding my thought life, right? Got to do it. Now, let me give you a natural example of this to kind of help you. Uh, and sometimes these things help us uh, to understand these things. Uh, anybody that's ever driven in traffic has seen this happen. If you've been in a big city uh, that's heavily populated and people are in rush hour and they're driving, sometimes people are, are very uh, disrespectful, <laughs> to say the least, in the way they drive. So you'll have a whole lot of traffic, right, on this thoroughfare, wherever it may be. And people are moving along at a snail's pace, and they're kind of bumper to bumper, and they're kind of just moving along, and they're being patient with each other because they realize everybody's trying to get to where they're trying to go. There's no reason to get 
be full of drama and get dramatic on the highway and have road rage. Let's just get where we're trying to go. But then there's always that person who wants to bypass everything. They don't want to be patient. So they will shoot past everybody in one of those outside lanes and try to merge over and get in further up in the line. They want to cut all the people who have been waiting in line, and they want to pass all of them, and they want to get in. And I know you've seen this many times, because what people will do is when they see somebody trying to behave that ma in that manner, they'll squeeze in even tighter. <laughs> right? They'll get, they'll get even tighter as they're coming off that exit ramp or whatever, and they see, oh, they're going to try to cut in front of like 10 different cars. So all of the cars will see it about to happen, and they'll squeeze in really tight so that the car can't get over. Now, what are they doing? They're giving the driver no place. Right? So the driver is trying his best to get in somewhere, and they're trying to, to be a bully. You know, and sometimes diesels will do that. And I know not all uh, diesel drivers are like that, but some of them are. They try to be a bully. They try to bully you and because they're so big. But people get in really close because they're not going to give that oncoming driver any place. They give him no position of opportunity. They give him no space, if you would, because they're looking for space to take. Satan is very much the same way. When he comes at your thought life, when he comes at your mind, he's looking for a position by which to plant a thought to get a foothold in your life. And so you and I have to take the word of God and we have to squeeze the word in there. We got, we got to get that word in place. We got to get that word in our mind because if we don't put the word in place, Satan will take that place. I'm going to say that again. If the word is not in place, Satan will take the place. There is no such thing as having a vacant lot as a mind, right? And being able to keep the devil off of it. No, you're going to have to build something on that lot. If you want to keep Satan from building a stronghold in your mind, you're going to have to build one yourself. You can't just... And this is where we miss it. This is where a lot of times Christians miss it because they think willpower and good intention is what's going to give them the ability so they fight. Them, and they really do fight and their hearts are pure and they fight as much as they can, but they don't give the word of God any place. And when you don't give the word of God any place, you have nothing in place by which to give the devil no place. When you don't give the word of God any place, you don't have anything in place that will give the devil no place. So everything begins with me occupying my mind with the word. I've got to put the word in. I've got to get what God thinks, what God says into my thought life if I'm going to defeat negative thoughts and negative emotions and have a sound mind. If I'm going to be that moderator standing at the door saying, you come in, you don't, I'm going to have to have the word of God, right? So we see here the scripture tells us that. Satan seeks opportunity to enter your life through your thoughts. So you have to guard your thought life. It is the gate. Now, I want you to see a difference between two different instances in Scripture uh, when it comes to occupying your thoughts with the Word of God. Let's begin with Adam and Eve versus Jesus. Adam and Eve in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, basically uh, uh, chapter 3. But then Jesus in Matthew 4, when Jesus is in the wilderness being tempted. So Satan comes at both of them to tempt them. 
and he tempts them in very similar fashions. What does he do? He begins to speak. He's coming at their thought life. He's coming at, at them in the thought realm. He's planting thoughts in their head. And so he's planting a thought to Eve about the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, and she knows she's not supposed to eat it, but Satan berates her and he stays with her and then she takes it and she eats it and then she gives it to Adam. And of course, we know the story. They fail and they fall. Well, now that same devil, thousands of years later, approaches Jesus, not in a garden, but in a wilderness. And he comes to Jesus and he tempts him three different times, 40 days and 40 nights, Scripture says. So we can count three categories of temptation. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. But for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan wasn't just tempting him three different times. <laughs> okay, Satan was coming at Jesus with everything he had. He was throwing the kitchen sink at him, right? But Jesus was the word made flesh. But he wasn't just the word made flesh and that he overcame Satan just because he was the son of God. No, he overcame Satan because from a youth, Jesus has filled his heart with the Father's word. He knows the law and the prophets. He is filled with the word of God. That's why every time Satan comes, it is written. It is written. What is Jesus doing? He's using that list to stand at the door of his thought life and say, not that thought, not that thought. You're not admitted. No, you can't get in. And so everything the devil tries to do, the devil even resorts to quoting scripture to him <laughs> because he knows Jesus is so full that he knows, man, I've got to change my tactics here because I can't just come at him with anything in the flesh. I've got to try to now use scripture. But Jesus was so full of the word of God that he had proper understanding even of the word so he couldn't deceive him with a misinterpretation of the, of the text. And so we have to fill our hearts and minds with the word. There's no way around it. There is no way around it. And I know a lot of Christians who spend a lot of time going to the altar, praying, uh, asking for prayer. They have beautiful hearts, great intentions. They want to stop certain behaviors. They want to be able to, to curb their negative emotions. They want to live free from the flesh and its dictates. They, they don't want Satan to have authority in their lives like he does and, and influence in their lives like he does. They want to live in freedom, but they fail to realize it is not victory is not the product of effort and good intention and passion and fervor and motivation. Victory is the product of God's engrafted word. You must put it inside the heart and the mind. And until we come to grips with this all-encompassing truth, we will forever live our lives dealing with an adversary that gains the advantage over us in our lives. We'll have temporary, momentary victories, and we'll have then temporary defeats. And Satan will play this tug of war with us until we learn, I've got to now put the word of God in place so that Satan has no 
place. Amen? So let's read this verse of scripture to you. I want to show you Philippians 4 and 8 because this is important. I'm going to give you two verses of scripture, uh, Philippians 4 and 8, then Isaiah 26 and 3 because I want you to see this. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, and he's talking about you know, being careful for nothing, anxious for nothing. And then he gets to verse 8 of the fourth chapter, and he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, don't forget that. Then Isaiah 26 and 3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Now notice both of these verses speak of a mind having a directive. Paul says, finally, my brethren, think on this stuff. Think on these. In other words, purposefully decide to think on these things. Now, what is the source of what's honest and just and true and pure and lovely, good report, virtue and praise? God's word. God's word is. That's where it is. So he's saying to us, in essence, think on the word. Think on what God says. Think on what God, who God calls you. Think on what God has said about you. Put this in your thought life. Think on purpose on these things. Why? Because if you don't make the decision as to what you're going to think on, Satan is going to overcome you. You can't, you can't be, <laughs> uh, how can I say this? You can't be neutral in spiritual uh, conflict. You can't just live your life like uh, I'm, I'm good and, you know, I don't necessarily have to read the Bible. I don't have to meditate in God's word. I don't have to spend time in the scripture. I don't have to get the word of God in me. I'm a good person. I'm a good Christian and, and I'm a good person and I do good things and I do good deeds. And yeah, that, that's not going to make it. And here's the reason why. Because every one of us has a carnal nature and you can't cast it out. It's not a demon. <laughs> it's not a devil. It's us. We're human. And we have this fallen carnal nature within us, right? We are born again in spirit, so we have a new nature, the nature of Christ within. But then there's that carnal side of us. There's that natural side of us. There is the carnal, fleshy man and all of its appetites and all of its desires and all of its passions. Now, the part of you that dominates is the one that is fed the most. Do you know there is really... Hear me when I say this now. You, you can weigh this in your own way, but I'm going to say it to you uh, in the light of what we're talking about. There is really no such thing, even though we say this, as good or bad people. We say, oh, he's a good guy. That's a bad guy. And we say, he's just, he's just bad. We call people bad. Sometimes we, I don't know why we do this, we, we sit up and call our children bad. That's one thing I can honestly say. I've never said to my children, y'all just so bad. I'll, I'll never call my children bad. But there's no such thing really as good or bad people because every one of us, especially and specifically those who are born again, we have the potential to live and walk 
like Jesus because his nature is within us. Now, if you're not born again, you don't have that potentiality in you. You have to be born again. You must be, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. But really, I've seen unsaved people who behave better than some Christian born again accepted Jesus as Lord people. You've seen it too. <laughs> You've seen it a lot. So what's going on here? Because there is no such thing as good or bad people. What's going on is that whatever is fed is what dominates. Whatever you preoccupy yourself with is, what's, is what dominates in your life. If I feed myself the word of God, then I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to go right. This is my right. It may be looking like your left on the screen. But I'm going to be going toward Jesus. I'm going to live, behave, think, respond, act like Jesus. If I choose to feed my flesh, even if I'm born again, I'm going to start living more under the influence and control of the devil who is the God of this world. I'm going to become worldly. I'm going to live in worldliness. My thought life is going to be worldly. My emotions are going to be influenced and they're going to be worldly. My actions, my behavior, my lifestyle is going to be worldly. Why? Because I'm feeding my flesh. And so there's really not this, oh, you're bad, you're good. Is who's feeding what? That's really the nature of man, right? That we sit here and whatever we continue to feed is what's sending us in the direction we're going in. This is why we've seen the, 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 the times in which we see people who we consider to be good people. And they do something completely out of character in a moment of pressure or temptation or whatever. And they do something. And we're like, man, I, th I didn't think they would do that. I didn't think she would do that. I never, I never thought for one second that person was capable of doing that. Well, you should have. And we should think that of ourselves as well. This is why we have to think on the word of God. Because every person has the potentiality to go very far left based upon what we continue to feed on. And this is why it's very important what you sit in front of, what you allow in your ears, what you spend your time talking about, because whatever you feed is what's going to have the biggest influence in your life. So every person listening to me, including me talking to you, have the potential to go far left or go very far into God and godliness based upon what we are feeding ourselves on spiritually and mentally. And this is why it's so important to have the word of God in your life because you can't, you can't sit up and just uh, feed yourself on intellectual uh, fast food, if you would, right? You read magazine articles and you read uh, things in the newspaper and you watch things on YouTube and on Netflix and you just spend all your time just gobble, 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 gobble. You just, you just, you're just eating up all of the stuff from the culture, all of the stuff in the news, all of the stuff in the media and you're eating and eating and eating. But there's no place given to the word of God in your life, right? You can maybe read a few verses of scripture, then you get sleepy, you go to sleep and you're on about your life, right? And then, but when it comes to watching Netflix, you're up for four hours, uninterrupted. Your attention is locked. You're not sleepy. <laughs> you're not falling asleep. You're not doing anything. You are locked in on what it is you're feeding on from the world. But when it comes to God, not so much.
And I don't say these things to, to bring condemnation, but I say these things to enlighten you to the truth that spiritual things are much easier than we make them out to be. What are you feeding on the most? And see, this is why a marriage of two Christian people can go very far left. Because in the marriage, they don't put the word of God first place. They don't give the word of God any place. So when you give the word of God no place, nothing is in place to give the devil no place. So he takes the place. And that is repeated in every single facet of our lives. So we have to be very offensive. We have to not live on the defensive. We have to become offensive Christians. That is to say, I purpose to think on this. I purpose to meditate in the word of God. I purpose to think on the word of God until the word becomes a light and understanding on the inside of me and it fills me up in my thought life so that when these thoughts come at me, I've got something to moderate them. I've got something to check them. Because Satan will come at you uh, and he'll come at you with everything. One of the most important things to realize about the devil is when you look at the word devil in scripture, uh, diablos, or diablos, it, it means slanderer. So that means Satan comes at you and he slanders not only other people to you, but he slanders you to yourself. He accuses you. He's the accuser of the brethren. And sometimes he accuses us. Oh, my God. And he will accuse you and accuse you and accuse you and accuse you. And if you are not filled and developed in the word of God, those accusations will find place and will find a home in your thought life. And I'll never forget this, and this is where I'm going to close on this. I'll never forget one day when the Holy Spirit really used a natural um, event to teach me this lesson. I was sitting at home and I was uh, on my couch and I was looking out our window across our deck on our backyard, in our backyard. And um, you know, it, on our homes, of course, we have gutters that take the rainwater off the roof and, and run it down into the ground and so forth. And so in this gutter, there was this little elbow that came off of the, off of the, uh, the gutters, and it kind of elbowed, and then it went down into the ground. And so in that little elbow, there was a bird that came up, and I saw him with mud and a twig, and he put a little mud and, and a twig right there on that elbow. And then I just I looked at him doing that, and I was like, I could tell he was trying to build a nest. And so he ran off, came back, ran off, came back, fly off, come back, fly off, come back. And whenever he placed a twig, if it stuck, if it stayed, he would make sure it stayed, then he'd take off. Well, I come back the next morning, and I saw what, of course, you know I saw. It was a fully developed bird nest right there in the elbow of the gutter. And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me from that one experience, because that's exactly what Satan does with us. He brings, if you would, a thought like a twig. Now, you, you don't know it at the very beginning that it's the beginning of a nest. <laughs> you don't know that at the beginning it's the beginning of him building something in your thought life. But he brings that first thought twig, if you would, and he attempts to plant it in your thought life. If you have the word to moderate it and kick it out, right, then he doesn't start the build. Right, like I went out later, I knocked the nest down. Then the bird tried to build it again, but this time I knocked it down. I knocked it down very early on in the development, so he finally just gave up and quit. He figured, oh, whoever this is has figured me out, so he didn't come back to that space anymore. Right? And so whenever that bird brings that twig, whenever the enemy brings that thought, 
he tries to get it to have place. If you take the thought, if you take it, and you allow it to stay in place in your mind, Satan runs off and he comes back with another. <laughs> He's like, oh, they took it. They took it. They allowed me to plant that thought about their esteem, about their finances, about their marriage, about their body image, about who they are, their, their, their potential, their purpose. He allowed me to plant the thought of doubt or fear or unbelief or whatever it may have been. And so the moment Satan knows you took that thought, here he comes again. Oh, and he will keep coming until he fills up the entire real estate of your mind and he has built a fortified nest in your thought life for which he can dwell. See, this is what the devil ultimately wants. He wants to build a house of thoughts in our soul where he can set up control and influence. He can't, if you're a born-again child of God, he cannot possess you in spirit. But boy, he can truly occupy and set up residence in your thoughts and in your emotions. And his aim is always to get in, build a place for him to occupy so that he can occupy you with fear, so that he can overcome you with dread, so that he can overcome you with lust, so he can overcome you with anything of his kingdom. And he'll have Christian people living bound by fear, bound by lust, bound by, by defeat and depression and oppression and suicidal ideations, bound. What are, what are we dealing with when that is happening? We're dealing with an adversary that's been able to nest in the soul. So the child of God has to take God's word prayerfully before the nest is built, take God's word and preoccupy and fortify your thought life with his word so that Satan has no place. But if Satan has gained place, then we have to resort to using the power of the spirit of God to pull that nest down. Oh man, I pray that you're getting this today and, and, and that you're listening and hearing me because there is no greater need among men, especially the body of Christ, those who are Christian people, there's no greater need than the renewing of our mind with God's word. It is not about everybody doesn't have a devil. We, we sometimes teach spiritual warfare, and the only component of spiritual warfare that we teach is casting out demons and casting out devils. Most people don't have a devil or a demon in them, just to be honest with you, just to tell the truth about it. Most people have unrenewed minds. And most people have unguarded, unmoderated, unsound, undisciplined thought lives. And because of that, when the thought life is undisciplined, the emotions become undisciplined, the behavior is undisciplined, the life is undisciplined. Child of God, I pray that you have heard this word today and I have been able to, to arm you with truth and empower you with truth that will allow you to overcome the adversary in every conflict you may be having with him in your life. Listen, if this has blessed you, been a blessing to you, share this with your family, your friends, people you know need to hear this word and need to be equipped with this type of knowledge in their warfare and in their struggle with the enemy and with their flesh on a daily basis. My prayer for you is complete victory, child of God. So until next time, God bless, and we'll see you next Friday on the One Word Podcast.